I miss my friends. I miss my family. I miss my neighbors. I miss my community, all of you, Brownline. But no, I do not want to join that Zoom call tonight. Nope, I'm gonna refuse. <laughs> and uh, there's something about uh, there's something about that feeling that has like I don't know what it is. But uh, actually, there's been a name given to this. Like uh, people have written about Zoom fatigue and Zoom guilt. Uh, we feel guilty for not taking advantage of like the technology that's available to us to connect, even though we're sheltering in place. We shouldn't feel guilty because evidently. I have learned that it takes a ton of mental energy to stay focused uh, when we can't read like nonverbals and when we're looking at like seven faces at once like we might do in a Zoom call. Uh, so that's actually, it takes a lot of energy. It takes more energy than it would if you're hanging out with a couple of people in person. We shouldn't feel guilty, but we do. We feel guilty. And so beyond the obvious right now that we can't be in the physical space uh, together, community is really hard. And, and, and whether it's this Zoom guilt or Zoom fatigue or something else. In fact, it's always really hard. It, like Community is not automatic. It takes intentionality. It takes risk. It takes commitment. It takes forgiveness. It takes trusting that like conflict makes people closer together and not further apart. It is hard, and it's, and it's just all the more hard right now to do community. Uh, so that's the discussion that we want to have today. We want to ask, how do we do community? Uh, we definitely have in view church community, like that which we try to make happen and see lots of people come together to make happen in, in Brownline Church, but also like beyond that, the community of our neighbors, the community of our circles of friends from any, any way that we've made those friends, our, our book clubs or our fantasy football leagues or whatever, all manner of community. And so um, as we ask this question, how do we do community together? Uh, we want to throw that as a prompt to our chat as we go along. Please tell us like, how are you learning to do community together? Also, if you're up for it, tell us how are you learning community doesn't work. That will certainly come into play as we talk about uh, our own discussion that we've taken some notes on. Yeah, this didn't work. Um, but we'd love to get your responses, and uh, and it, it, if there's a theme emerging, we'll have Abby kind of uh, bring it to us and kind of guide where we go here. Let me invite in at this point our co-pastor Kyle, and then as we mentioned, we're also really glad to invite in our friend Haley Larson, who's one of our worship leaders here at the church, and someone who thinks a ton about community, uh, uh, given that she is a seminary student at North Park University and one of the leads of the Crux program at North Park, a discipleship and community building experience for undergrads. So Haley, Kyle, welcome guys. Um, I'll throw it to you just kind of to begin. Uh, what challenges do you guys experience uh, to community all, all the time, but especially right now? Uh, Kyle, how about you first? So, you know, the thing that I feel is, is always been true is uh, for me, sometimes when I experience community out of a place of like should, that like this is the thing that I should be doing because of whatever commitments I've made. And, and for me, largely in a church community I've been a part of for a long time, there's been a lot of sense of like, I really should uh, go to that small group. I really should be part of that men's group. I really should do all of these things. You know, in an ideal world, I'm probably doing or going to church like four times, five times a week kind of thing. Um, and so to me, the biggest challenge for community is it actually feeling like an obligation or a weight to me. And that is actually only more so right now on Zoom because I'm an extrovert. And at least when I'm in person, I get those extrovert vibes that help me feel good. And it like makes that experience feel more worthwhile. 
And I've increased my sympathy for introverts in this Zoom experience because I feel like I'm with people, but I don't actually get the positive experience that gives me energy. It just kind of drains me. And I think then when I think about the next Zoom call with people I want to see or I want to be with, uh, it feels heavy to me. And that's, that's one of those challenges for me of trying to weigh out what I really want and then the weight that I often feel about what does it look like to do another thing. Man, should is a word that's come up quite a bit in our discussions over the last couple of months. So thanks, Kyle, for that. H Haley, what about you? What challenges do you experience to uh, community, whether right now or, or anytime? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest obstacles I've experienced to community building before all of this um, was this idea that I thought I was doing community wrong, or that there was a right way to do it, and I wasn't doing it that way. Um, definitely saw this most clearly when I was in college on North Park's campus. It's kind of this community myth that everyone, it's definitely because of friends and other shows that we have and rom-coms where everyone has like this set, super close group of friends and they just instantly all click and community is so easy and you wanna be around those people all the time. Um, and that's just not how I've experienced community at all. So I spent a lot of time wishing that I had something like that instead of being grateful, I think for the relationships and the people, the individuals that I had in my life, um, and seeing that as a form of community. And I see this in my students a lot too. They come to campus as freshmen and are like, wait a second, why do I not have an instant group of friends? Like, isn't that what community is? Um, it's definitely this idea of like FOMO or the fear of missing out. Um, Mindy Kaling has a book called, um, Why Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? And I think that in this season, <laughs> it's become I, I've never read it, but I think about the title all the time. <laughs> but I think in this season, it's become, why is everyone having Zoom happy hour without me? Or why is everyone creatively social distancing without me? Um, and it's this constant idea of like, what I have isn't what it's supposed to be like to be in community and other people have it. But if you start talking to a bunch of people, I feel like that sentiment gets passed around and stands pretty true. That is fascinating. So really, like it, there, there are so many voices that, uh, yeah, whether it's shoulds or like the right way, that are bearing down on us at all the times. And they could come from religious settings, as Kyle was sharing, like, oh, you're, you know, like this is this is the way to do it, or or they could just come from like this this weird like dissonance between what everybody appears to be doing from, from the outside when I look at them and then how I feel. <laughs> uh, but all of that leads to all of this pressure, uh, like community should be looking a different way or the right way to do it is this and I'm on the outside and yet everyone feels on the outside. Is that, is that right? Am I reading that right? I think so. <laughs> I, I, also, <laughs> I really love the friends analogy because I think um, we as humans, uh, the kind of middle experiences of life kind of wash away in our memory over time. And you remember the big high points and you remember the low points. And so I think when we're experiencing community, I remember when I was 21 years old and I was living with six guys and I was engaged and it was like, oh, I had so much community. I had a men's group of guys I lived with 
And it's and so now at, at 34 years old, it's been what 13 years where I feel like my life has never quite achieved that experience again. And it always feels like a letdown of like, well, why isn't it like that moment? Or, you know, I know people that were really involved in like youth groups in high school where there's this experience that is really cultivated for that age. And in adulthood, there's a sense of like, where is like the 30 and 40 year old youth group where I feel really engaged and connected. And then there's this sense of loss and there's a sense of undermining the efforts I am making because, well, I did go to that group but it didn't quite feel like that, you know, friend I had when I was 21 years old. So I'm not sure this is really worth it. And it kind of discourages me in that, that space as well. Something I think of here, um, is uh, that America, Americans, I guess this would be my challenge because I never, um, I, I feel a real limit to this. Americans tend to fall back on um, mechanical images when we talk about how community happens. So like community happens because there's a program, you know, or there's a, there's like a hierarchy that you fit into and fill a role, or there's like a business structure or it's very like one size fits all images. It's very like, um, here's what's broken and you can fix it. You know, self-help is all kind of predicated on here's this broken thing and then you fix it. And all of those are very like treating people and communities as if they're machines. It's very mechanical. And, and that's how we kind of figure out how to fill that need for connection that all human beings have. You treat yourself like a machine. Um, and I, I just ha I, I don't think that I've ever felt that that works because life is so much more messy than that. And I am as a human being is so, as so much more messy than that. I there's a piece of me like I am I'm such a I've been a, a rule follower all my life. I'm like a super linear thinker. Like whenever I'm writing something down, it's like an outline and bullet point lists and that sort of thing. And so I kind of long for life to work that way. I wish that community could work that way. I kind of get angry when it doesn't, but it just, it, it never has panned out. And so, um, I mean, an insight that we ended up talking about um, uh, in preparation for this was um, the, the Jesus tradition offers a different set of images when it talks about how communities work. They, there are lots of images that are offered in, uh, mostly in, in uh, the teachings of Jesus or in the writings of Paul that are in the New Testament. Um, and, and, and none of them are actually mechanical, like the ones that we fall back onto on, in America. They're all very organic. They're like plants or vines, you know, like the, we are part of a vine and that's what it means to be in community. Or we are part of a body and each of us is a different body part. It's a very famous one from, uh, from Paul. Or we are all part of a family and that's how we understand a community. There, so these are not like fix what's broken images. They are like, uh, you know, like natural growth, like you, you, you start one place and then you slowly grow into something else. And that just all feels much more like correct. I don't know. It feels much more accurate into how community has actually worked. Uh, how does that hit you guys? Haley, how does that hit yeah, you? I mean, it gets at that, that mess of things a whole lot more. I'm, I've killed enough succulents in my lifetime to know that plants take a lot of work. <laughs> um, and I don't know, like your body doesn't always cooperate and do what you want it to do. It's not always healthy when you want it to be healthy. Um, families are messes. And to think about yeah. those as yeah. kind of the standard images of community, instead of all sitting on a couch and drinking coffee together, um, it's just, I feel like that's, it's strangely more comforting to me 
um, to let there be a little bit more mess. But the hard part is that you, you let up a lot of control. And I think that the programmatic community building styles we're used to, um, like youth groups and things like that, they, um, they just don't allow for as much of the organic mess of things. There, there is a control element. Um, so when we've experienced that once and have benefited from a community that's come out of that, we want every single other community building experience to have a really strict structure. And when it doesn't, and when we realize that humans are really human and people do things and life is messy and relationships take a lot of work, you don't have that instant feeling of like satisfaction and clicking with someone and thinking like, oh, this is worth it. And so it gets frustrating. And I think people give up really easily because of that. Uh, control is a real, I wonder if anybody, uh, anybody here at all, like if, if, if you'd call yourself out in the chat or Kyle, I wonder if the, that control piece connects with you with what you were sharing in terms of like no. having this voice. No, no, not at all. <laughs> that I, I thought of what you were sharing before about like having this period in your life in your past where you did feel like you had community and then now nothing quite like shaping up to that and 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 i just kind of imagine that grasping for control thing that haley's describing yeah you know I, as somebody who's like literally a you know pastor of a church you know it's like the uh, i've done like you know do as many groups as you want try to connect with people as you want and just recognizing that it's it's different when every group you go into is a different set of human beings yeah. um, and all of a sudden you're like oh you know and they're all in different life stages and then the process of actually uh, figuring out how, I, what do I need in community and pursuing that, I think, uh, is a lot different than wanting to just feel like I can control it more if it's like community happens if I do this thing. Um, and I think the hard part is, you know, for us as a church, I think uh, faith communities in general, uh, there's a sense of anxiety about uh exposure, anxiety about like being lost or being tainted in some kind of way where there's like a sense of you only have can be friends with people that like agree with you on belief and thought. And that there's like a sense of distancing you need to do from other people because there's a there's a way that they may kind of taint you in that experience. And I think that what, what ends up happening for us is then it, it, it I think really narrows what community can be for us. Like community can be my family. Community can be friends of mine that actually don't believe in Jesus. Community can be uh, people I work with. Community can be my church. But there's a this way that the American faith community has existed that says like this is the only real true place you can do community, and it's only with these people. And I think there's a study I read a couple uh, about five Ross, years. Rachel, exactly uh, Chandler, only with mm -hmm. them, right? Who, but who like, was the other one? Joey, Joey. There you go. And uh, the and what was the it doesn't matter. Uh, the <laughs> Gunther is the guy that doesn't get invited to the Zoom calls but wants to be. Uh, no, so. Uh, <laughs> is that a deep friends cut from it, Kyle? Really I like is. that. Uh, that was good. Uh, but I I also feel like this is the piece why you know there's a study came out that people who uh, don't believe in who, who weren't didn't call themselves Christians have a faith experience and then say, now I am new to faith. 
that they have they lose almost all of their non-church relationships within two years. Interesting. And because of this programmatic way that we believe that this is the only space the community should exist, rather than what I think I find more helpful, which is the church is more like the laboratory where we try to safely experience and experiment what does it look like to do life everywhere with us. Yeah, that's a much better analogy, and certainly what you're that that picture that you're drawing of something that has felt so, you know, like making your life smaller and making the lives of others smaller. That certainly, I would I think you know, kind of falls into those mechanical imagery of like you either fill the role or you don't. You you're the right you know nut that matches that bolt or not, and that that just I I think that betrays a lot of uh, what we would learn from from the the Jesus tradition. So. Here's a question for you guys. Um, it, let's let's assume like we have the ideal of like oh we we have a, a community that is trying to pursue that more those more organic images the vine the body the family. Um, what would be the like what are the unique benefits of having a, a faith community as a part of the the makeup of what gives you community in life? I think it really. It depends on whether or not that community is able to say like, hey, we're not gonna, even if this is organic and let's say it's a garden, like we're not gonna put up fences around it and we're not gonna try and protect mm. it. Um, there has to be this element of turning in and being able to turn out. I think that when we look at Jesus and the community that he cultivated with those who are following him, it's not this strict, um, I talk with my hands, so it's really funny to be on Zoom. But it's not this, like, <laughs> there's, there's borders, there's parameters, it's a circle. It's everything is porous and everything is invitational. So I think that if you're walking in that light, um, the gift of having that is being a constant community of invitation and saying, come and participate. Um, because what we have found here in one another and in following Jesus has been really life-giving. Um, and it's not to say, I mean, it really gets into the like bounded set, centered set things that we go yep. back to a lot, but this idea yep. of like, you're welcome to come and experience that life-giving growth with this community. Um, you don't have to like become something absolutely different to fit that. So I think in its, in its ideal, if a religious community is able to say, let's just constantly be in the mode of invitation I think that that is really following what Jesus models. Well, I want to uh, hear some takeaways from us along the lines of like, how do we do community? I think that we're we're kind of doing some helpful uh, like uh, debunking of myths and kind of zeroing in a little bit more on what we mean. Uh, and that's awesome. Before we uh, jump into some takeaways, Abby, uh, is there any anything surfacing from comments that uh, it would feel helpful to throw into the ring here? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people sort of connecting on some similar ideas with like um, feeling that like sense of that we're doing community wrong or um, everyone else is doing it this this way and that's not what it looks like for me. So maybe that's like I think people are really relating to that idea. Um, and then also there's a really a lot of people are kind of talking about that um community with no rules and structures can be really scary and hard mm. um but there's like this recognition that that is what real community is but it can be really exhausting um and and there's not always a payoff um especially 
Um, it looks like also people are talking now too about like moving across the country. And so how do you find a community that allows you to be vulnerable and part of your larger community, but like keeping at that is, can be hard and exhausting too. What an awesome point. Please, Kyle. You know, it speaks to the thing that I, I've actually been thinking a lot about in this space, which is uh, the thing I think we can offer as a community. And I think what uh, is, I would actually recommend is probably the most helpful thing in trying to think about community is trying to be purposeful in how and what we're looking for. Uh, the School of Life has this video where they break down some of these, these categories of friendship and talking about how uh, like friendship really breaks into four categories that have real purpose to them. Um, and if that if we're in relationships that aren't fitting any of those purposes, we should ask some different questions. But we need to figure out what are we needing and then how do we pursue that purpose? And so the, the four are networking in a non kind of shallow way, but like this is the thing that solves the human problem of hopelessness. Like I can't do enough of being part of like a church community where I'm with all of these other people, we can do more. It just opens up our opportunities in life. Uh, the, the second kind was reassurance, which is normalizing that we all struggle. It's a sense that like, I'm saying I'm having a hard time here and then the other person is saying back to me, yes, you know what? I also feel like I'm doing community wrong. Um, and that really does help with the problem of fear, like the fear that we're the ones that is getting life wrong. Uh, the, the third kind is fun, which is people that we can just truly let our guard down with and just laugh and be stupid, which is really important in addressing the shame that we experience in life, like people we can just let go with. And then the last one is friends that we can do thinking and self-understanding with, people that like help us think about our lives and think about who we want to become that help us in the problem of growth. And so for networking, reassurance, fun, thinking, as we think about a community here, the, what we can say is we may not be able to do everything as for everybody, but we can walk in here with a space with a mutual uh, agreed upon set of purpose mm. that we are, we want to be able to be reassuring. We want to look to have fun. We want to look to have self-understanding and networking, and we can step into spaces with people that are helping us do that. If we're trying to figure out what am I needing in life and then trying to walk into a space with other people that kind of share that commitment and of purpose in those. I love the, uh, the call for, um, in, in the comments that Abby mentions this call for like, well, you know, like structures and rules do uh, make us feel safe. And I, and I think that's a really important, um, a really important uh, conviction for uh, a community like ours or any community that is trying to, uh, to, to do community at its best would be to understand where that healthy, like midpoint is between overly mechanical thinking and something that has no rules and doesn't feel safe as a result of that. Uh, it does strike me that like that even built into these images that Jesus and Paul offer of bodies and vines and families, they're uh, like those those things uh, don't have no structure. Like there there are best practices for how to care for a vine. There are best practices for how to keep a family running and how to how to keep a body healthy, right? Um, and so, and so there are structures built into that, but the, maybe it's the difference between being inflexible and flexible. I think that one thing, uh, maybe that like a, a piece that's being highlighted from each of the little data points that have been brought in is 
when uh, when there's a situation where uh, there's a demand for everything to work the way one person wants, or there's a demand, or there's there's a feeling of deficit because I feel like er it's working for everyone except me. That's when we get into problems, and so you we we need to have flexible systems, which is that those organic pictures rather than inflexible, it, you know, it's it, you either fit in or you're out uh, mechanical images. Yeah, I think um, this idea of still holding hope for a community, like it's not just a free for all of like, yeah, whatever, we'll see what like, all these people are just showing up in one space and it's chaos and we don't really quite know what the whole point of it is. Um, but to hold a hope for a community and to I love that the wording of purpose and intention. Um, I think that those terms for me are a little bit more, um, they sound a lot more flexible and open than saying like structure and programming and things yeah. like that. And I'm someone who, I love a good outline. I love a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> structure is very comforting to me. And I know that that is needed for people to feel comfortable and to get to a place where you're actually engaging in the community, um, especially coming into set places like churches or education communities or things like that, where there's a common reason for a gathering. Um, but when a group starts clinging more to its rules and its structures than its hopes, I think that that's when people get really damaged. Um, and so to always let the purpose and intention and hope be what's driving the formation. I love that. I love that. And I would also echo that I, I wonder if um, the, like I'm somebody who, feels more comfortable in groups of two to six than I do in groups of, you know, like 10 to 15. I, I tend to disappear and feel uncomfortable and not sure how to participate. In a group of two to six, I feel really comfortable. Or in something like this, where it's like, there, you know, it's not a free for all. One person is talking right now. I feel super comfortable with that. Like, I'm like, I have no problem speaking in front of people. It's just when I have to like fend for myself in a sea of wild animals. You guys are wild animals. That's when I feel uncomfortable. Um, and so I like the, that I think is the, is the level of like rules and structures that really helps a community work. But when we put rules and structures on things like if it doesn't, you know, if, if your connection doesn't look exactly like this, then you're in trouble. I think it's more like rules like, you know, hey, one person shares at a time and we honor the things that were just shared and not sweep them aside. And, you know, the, the, that's the kind of structures that really help a community work well. Um, I would love to hear, oh, sorry, Kyle, please. Yeah, put a, put a nub on that. Yeah, I think for me, I think why approaching community with a sense of purpose and not a sense of obligation is so important is because it allows me to say no to more things. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There's the truth is I, there's some people that I already, I do have fun with. Like, and so the truth is what I'm looking for right now is not fun. What I am looking for is self-understanding. I'm looking for mm. people that will help me understand myself. So that dinner party that sounds fun, that's great. But you know what? I'm actually going to say no to that because that's actually not what I am needing right now. What I am needing is this other piece. And then I can purposefully pursue that group that's about thinking or that friendship that helps me do that. And then not let my emotions of that moment decide whether I follow through or not. And I, I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm prioritizing what I want and then I'm letting, I'm, I'm following through on my priorities, not just what I'm feeling. And I'm also feeling more comfortable to say no to something if it's not lining up with what I'm actually needing. 
and doing that with purpose. That's great. Kyle, can you put those categories again from the School of Life like, in the chat just so we can see them? I think that would that, that would be a good segue. Just I think we uh, we would like to end with some takeaways of just some practical ways. How do we do community right now? Uh, and so, Kyle, I love this as as kicking us off of just like assessing, you know, what are the what are of those four categories? If that feels like a helpful breakdown for you, what do I need right now? And uh, and and that can that can help you say yes and say no to things with intention and purpose, and not just kind of feeling squeezed by that obligation or should. Um, Haley, what what's a what's a takeaway from you? And we'll kind of we'll we'll swing this around the uh, the horn a few times. Um, so I think. A takeaway I've been thinking about specifically related to what we're all experiencing right now with um, quarantine and being in, at home and away from people and not in these large groups. Um, I think that this season, at least for me, is bringing a greater awareness of the voices and people that we don't include in our communities, mm. often because of accessibility. Um, so I think of, I've taken classes at Stateville Correctional facility out in Joliet, um, and some of the guys who are incarcerated there, like they're on obviously complete lockdown. There's been a lot of deaths and illness in the facility because of COVID, and to hear people toss around language like, "Oh, I feel like I'm um, I'm on house arrest right now, or I'm in jail," mm. like that. Um, to be intentional about how are we listening to voices who experience true isolation and do not mm. have the same level of access, um, whether that's older folks who are shut in, um, whether it's people who medically are in isolation often in hospitals or people who are incarcerated, people who are being separated at borders, like the voices that we don't often include in our vision of community. How are we engaging with those people mm. and how are we letting, um, our own vision for community and our own relationships and the language that we use, how are we, how is that shifting because of how we've been impacted? Um, because really, I mean, it's, the season is definitely different, but I can still go for walks outside. I can still go to the store when I need it. I can still um, say hello to friends from a distance. And I'm hopeful that as we shift into whatever, whatever things look like next, I don't really know. I'm hopeful that we'll, keep that feeling um, yeah. and start looking more and more to the people who like, that's just day-to-day -day existence. Um, that's the everyday, because I think it's really important when we have this vision of community care and community going beyond our individual experiences, that we're letting the experiences and stories of others shape how we are and how we participate. Yeah, the language we use will certainly shape the beliefs that we carry. So that is really, really helpful, Haley. What other uh, what other takeaways do we have? Again, we'll just say, uh, as a millennial, we are we're known for the aspirational yes. The you know I I want to do that thing, but the truth is I should probably say no to it. Um, and I think to me, uh, uh, it has been something that I really needed help with and to me that's where the Holy Spirit has really helped me is figuring out what are the things that are my priorities what are the things I am needing right now what are the things that a community really needs to challenge me into um, and then to actually take space and figure out what those are and try to pursue those and then let go 
and ask for grace in the other areas that, you know, I'm not a bad person because I don't do something. Um, that because what I'm doing is not trying to fulfill an obligation. I'm trying to listen to what Jesus is actually leading me towards here and not living off with some dream picture from friends or when I was 21 years old, but listening to where his spirit is actually guiding me today, right now in the middle of quarantine. Yeah, that's great. This is, this is one of the pieces that has come up most consistently in our midweek podcast discussions. I think it's come up every week of the, this is why uh, having a theology of the Holy Spirit, the, the idea that God can speak to us today in a moment. It, it's not just like powerful ideas or, or principles captured from the past, but there's a in the moment guidance that we can have. That's why this is so important because there is no index or glossary we can look up. Okay, so I've had this sort of week and I'm feeling these sorts of things and this person asked me to do this thing. Let me just go, you know, follow the matrix and see, okay, I should say yes. All right, got it. Uh, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't exist. And so instead we have to trust that God can guide us in the moment. And there, and, and, and there is a sense of like, yeah, I, I can hear from God. So I, I dig that along the same lines. Uh, I had, um, I had considered, um, the, the power, uh, of the, of the quick, uh, like text message or email to a friend. Um, so I, I just like, I don't remember who like suggested this to me at some point, but it was very early on. One of the first things I learned uh, becoming a praying person and starting to get involved in, in a faith community was to like asking me the question, what if I regarded those random moments when somebody pops into my head? What if I regarded those as God? Like I just, hey, some, I just, somebody can't, popped into my head, a friend of mine or a family member, who, maybe even somebody who I haven't talked to in ages and they just randomly came into my head. What if I assumed that that was God? There is like absolutely nothing to lose assuming those things. And, you know, if, if the only thing that comes out of it is I just send that person a random text message and say, hey, what's up? I was, I was thinking about you today. Um, hey, how's it going? You know, I felt like God brought you to mind. What, like, what's going on in life? Um, and whether that is an old friend or, or somebody that you're in regular uh, relationship with, there is nothing to lose in that. And there's like a lot to gain. Uh, and I have found that especially right now, you know, when we're not seeing people, um, leaning into like a couple of times this has happened to me and it's been old friends. It's been people I, I'm not in regularly regular community with like when when we're not all locked down. But uh, but it's been really pleasant. I've reached out because it's been like, oh, the, there's nothing but positive feelings with that person. We're just not regularly in touch anymore. And it's been wonderful. And it's been like it's kind of given me energy for the rest of my day, like interacting with that person. And we've like kept up a text thread and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of great. Like uh, it's been a nice little plus to what's going on. So, uh, and then not to mention all of the ways that I think I have, I have seen people uh, in our community, you know, when, when people come to mind and they reach out and that lead to like really like important needs being met like I have, uh, so I've, I've taken, I took a little list of like things I've heard where like people in our community just like reached out to each other or checked in on each other and that led to good things. So we had first off the Easter care package, which was uh, uh, an idea from uh, Zoe and that was awesome. And uh, a bunch of people participated in that. Uh, it was really fun to see like, um, I, I didn't know who like, who, who had who in that care package, but then I saw after the fact, like on social media, like, oh, look at that. That's cool. They got a package from somebody. Um, there, uh, somebody got a back cushion from somebody else because they like had back pain. It's like, that's awesome. You know, like somebody just sent a back cushion. 
Uh, one couple in our church uh, that had COVID, a team of people came together and uh, got made sure that they had groceries and had meals provided for like five days straight. I mean, that is so cool. And then um, another person uh, in our community uh, trying to help another person find a dog because they have ins on getting a dog. And so the, like little things like that happening, I'm just like, I think that could happen all the more if we trust this idea of like, God might speak to me in a moment in the Holy Spirit. Like, hey, that person came to my mind. But what if that was God? It takes one, literally one minute to send somebody a text message that says, hey, how's it going? You know, I, so I'm, I'm going to throw that out there as a takeaway for us. I love that. I really do. Um, and I think that both those go together so well that when you're, you're saying no to things, you can be more intentional and more engaged with what you're saying yes to. And you can show up fully. Um, it gives you more energy for those kind of random thoughts or Holy Spirit moments where someone comes to mind and you want to reach out and see what you can do. Because if you've spent the day um, being exhausted by some engagements that maybe weren't necessary, like maybe you wouldn't have had that same amount of mental energy or emotional energy to really reach out. Um, so my one of my big takeaways, I think, from community, community during COVID uh, has been boundaries and mm. learning boundaries and then letting those boundaries be because of my needs and not because of a virus. It's really easy to say like, oh, I can't do that because I can't go out or I can't be with people or um, I, yeah, there's just rules surrounding things right now. But I think getting in the good habit of figuring out what is healthy, letting your yeses mm -hmm. be yes and your noes be no so that you can fully engage with people so that when things lift or restrictions are less. We don't all fully jump back into saying yes to absolutely everything and being so burnt out that community isn't a rewarding place. It isn't a place of growth. Um, it just becomes another, like we started off this conversation with, it just becomes an obligation. Um, so I think really letting, letting this season help determine what some of your boundaries are and what is going to be the things that you really want to pour into and be filled up by um, not out of obligation, but because of that deep sense of purpose and hope um, and just desire to, to connect with others. Really good. Kyle, any last takeaway for us here? Uh, just to be creative in who you think about in your life when you think of community. You know, we have, we have a church here. A lot of those things you talked about, groceries, all that stuff, that's like networking stuff. It's making sure that I have access to larger things than just myself. But, you, you know, you may have family, you may have friends from a different period of life, you may have all sorts of people and uh, you're not uh, doing something wrong if you're getting your support from many different spheres of people. It's mm -hmm. not like you've messed up or the community is messed up if you're not getting all your needs met in one place. It's actually very likely that none of us are going to be getting all of our needs met in one place. And I think that that is perfectly uh, wonderful. Yeah, well said. Another theme of, of many of our discussions. Let's just shed off all manner of one size fits all advice. That just that that is not going to serve us, especially now. So, uh, wow, great, awesome stuff. Thank you everybody for throwing in uh, your details. We look forward to following up on this discussion later in the week for a, a midweek podcast. But right now, for the sake of time, we have to close the the chapter here. Uh, Haley, could I ask if you would pray for us just to kind of let this settle in our hearts? Sure. Sounds good. You would pray with me.
Holy Spirit, I thank you for your constant movement um, in our lives and in just the bodies of community that we experience. God, I thank you that you yourself are a community and that we get to walk in that, that you are constantly inviting us into um, life and into newness and into grace. And I ask that as we navigate this season and in all of the changes in the seasons to come, um, that we would just be able to cling to that grace, to be able to model that invitation, um, to truly know when to engage, when to say no, um, and how to reach out uh, to those around us. God, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for this time and for this space to be and to gather. Thank you for the ideas that have been shared. And I just pray that seeds would be planted, um, that our garden would creatively grow, um, that we wouldn't be tempted to put up fences or borders to protect it, but that you would just be moving and alive and that we would be aware of all of that. In your name we pray. Amen.